grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. At first glance, this looks like an ideal seminary passage. We've been sharing our call stories during August term. Here's Matthew leaving a lucrative position in finance to go into ministry as one of Jesus' disciples. Well, perhaps Jesus has something to say to us today that goes beyond, well done, come sit beside Matthew in the elite section of the called. When Jesus says, go and learn what this means, I take that as a signal that we should try to discern together what it is Jesus wants us to learn too. And it is, isn't it wonderful that we can do that in person in church and not on Zoom? This gospel passage is only five verses long and Jesus speaks in three of those five verses. Jesus has the first word and the last. At the beginning, he says to Matthew, follow me. And at the end of the passage, Jesus explains to the whole crowd, both his critics and his disciples, what following him means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. Biblical scholars call this kind of bracketing an inclusio, a passage where the beginning and the end mirror and reinforce one another. I prefer to call it bookends. <laughs> so let's look at the bookends of this passage. Jesus calls Matthew and us to follow him, and then he shows us just what following him should look like. In between, there's a lot of human brokenness manifested in various ways. We've all heard about Matthew as the despised tax collector turned disciple, a Jewish man considered a traitor to his people by working for the occupying force of the Roman Empire and extorting his livelihood from people who couldn't afford the Roman taxes, much less the tax collector's surcharge not a popular candidate for Jesus's inner circle. Then we have the ever-present religious critics complaining to the disciples about Jesus once again, this time criticizing Jesus's choice to eat with tax collectors and sinners, two all-so-familiar vignettes of human nature at work. We're so often judged by how we make our living and the company we keep and we so often judge others by the same measures, what they do and who they socialize with. The creator of the universe challenges us to give up our idols of success and power in order to worship the God of spirit and truth. And since we so often can't grasp the fullness of that God, God comes to us in Jesus Christ and says, follow me. And miraculously, Matthew does just that. He gets up from the tax collector booth and follows Jesus from that moment on. Our call to follow Jesus starts with our baptism. In baptism, we are named before the church, claimed as God's own, and brought into the community of faith. 
And from the moment of our baptism, we are given a mission and a message. To quote the baptismal liturgy in the Lutheran version, we're called to proclaim Christ through word and deed, care for others and the world that God has made, and work for justice and peace. Jesus calls each of us to a baptismal vocation using our unique gifts and our distinctive voices. This is a lifelong adventure in the journey of faith. The Lutheran liturgy highlights the priesthood of all the baptized. As we move into the Eucharistic liturgy in a few moments, you will see the liturgical partnership of the ordained and lay in worship leadership. While an ordained person inevitably presides at the Eucharist, a lay assisting minister sets the table and leads the post-communion prayer. Lay people assist with the distribution of the Eucharist, usually the cup, but also sometimes the bread, as you will see today. And since we can't all take the cup just now due to the pandemic, our team decided that the assisting minister will receive the communion cup on behalf of us all. At the end of the service, the assisting minister will send us out to serve. Our baptismal vocations are expressed in worship and in the world. Jesus says to those sniping about the way he conducts his ministry, learn what this means. Just as Matthew is being transformed from tax collector to disciple before their eyes, Jesus challenges both his detractors and his disciples to learn and do likewise. Learn here means to be discipled, to allow yourself to be instructed by the teacher, the rabbi. And the content of what Jesus wants us to learn is this. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. This is a quote from the sixth chapter of Hosea. Jesus takes God's word from the Hosea text as Jesus' own words. And through that I statement, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, Jesus is asserting to his disciples and his critics that he and God are one. Jesus is not just rebuking the religious authorities for getting their priorities wrong. He's upping the ante, scandalizing them, probably enraging them with his bold claim to be God. This word from Hosea, translated here mercy, is the key Jewish concept of hesed. Hesed is primarily God's attribute. It's a complex word in the Old Testament, as you've probably already learned in class. It means mercy. It also means loving kindness, steadfast love, faithfulness, loyalty, devotion, goodness. It's an action word. This is a love that saves, mercy that rescues, goodness that recreates, radically changing everything. It's the term used when God establishes a covenant between God and God's people. God is the merciful one who is true and faithful, steadfast and reliable, our rock and our redeemer. So when Jesus quotes God, 
speaking through the prophet Hosea, saying, I desire mercy, Jesus is saying, I am God, and I abound in steadfast love, and I call you into hesed too. As Psalm 119 says, by your righteousness enliven me, let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord. It is God's righteousness, mercy, and steadfast love that give us life and sustain our lives. Augustine defined hesed as the ordering principle that drives us towards God. We are faithfully following Christ when others can see a glimmer of hesed within us. Whenever we are merciful, trustworthy, steadfast, loyal, loving towards others, that's the image of God shining through us. This is what it means to be an instrument of God's peace, to quote the prayer of St. Francis. The mercy and not sacrifice that God desires is to love God and love neighbor. These two commandments are the characteristics of life in Christ, and everything else, even including worship, must fall into place behind that primary call to love God and neighbor. This is the Eucharistic life we long for, relating to one another mercifully and generously out of our gratitude for what God has already done for us. This sounds like good news, and it certainly is the gospel. But it, uh, it's a lesson that disquiets and discomfits us, too. I don't know about you, but I'm more socially inept after a year of pandemic isolation than I was before, and I already was. <laughs> and Jesus isn't exhorting us just to be more considerate of others. Jesus is challenging us, calling us to a radical reorientation of our relationships. How can we really live like Christ? responding with Christ-like loving-kindness to every child of God that we meet. When we're honest with ourselves, we know only too well how often we fail to show mercy to others, much less the kind of steadfast love that Jesus lived and calls us to emulate. Despite our best intentions and our deep desire to be Christ-like, we are all hungry for grace carrying burdens and battling temptations of many kinds, and we long to be freed to love as Christ loves us. So if you're feeling like an imposter here, inadequate for the call of Jesus, you're right. You are. We all are. Every one of us is inadequate to be a disciple of Jesus, including Matthew. This is where Jesus' final word in the text today offers so much grace. I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. Jesus calls us to follow him knowing even better than we know ourselves how inadequate we are. Do not let loyalty and faithfulness forsake you, our Proverbs text says. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Well, we may not even be able to write loyalty and faithfulness on the tablet of our hearts, of our own hearts, but the Holy Spirit can. Jesus doesn't leave us mired in our inadequacy. Instead, 
his spirit gives us the strength and wisdom we need to muddle through whatever he calls us to do and whoever he puts in our path. Jesus has redeemed and forgiven our past. He gives us the manna we need for today, and he promises us a future with hope. We may not know where we're going, but we know that God's hand is leading us and God's love is supporting us. Grace sufficient for the day is ours. And because Christ dwells within us, we can be little Christs to one another, to borrow Martin Luther's phrase. This call story falls in Matthew's gospel in the midst of a sequence of miracle stories. Perhaps this placement reminds us that the kind of life transformation offered to Matthew is a miracle of healing and renewal just as powerful and miraculous as the healing of any physical infirmity. And Jesus offers us that same transformation in our own lives. From our baptism and throughout the journey of our lives, Jesus keeps calling, follow me. And by the grace, mercy, and loving kindness of God, we sinners can, like Matthew, get up and follow him, walking in love as Christ loved us in a lifelong adventure of faith. Amen.